0: There we go. Just welcome Aaron back. He does a great job looking after the sound. So, So I want to um, begin to talk a little bit about talking to God and listening to God. And I'm going to actually use a book that, if you'd like to get hold of something that's pretty cool, it's called Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. He's the uh, founder or one of the founding people of the 24 7 prayer movement, which sounds incredibly boring you know, uh, imagine spending 20 years encouraging people to pray um, until you actually break the myth of what you think prayer is and then it's not so boring. Um, But I'm going to use that as a kind of foundation of we'll see where we go. Um, And today one of the things we're going to focus on is really uh, the nature of who God is and uh, what he's done. And uh, I want to start with... um, that Psalm 8 that I read from, which is the description of of human beings. Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? I mean, there's this element of just... um, Thinking ab- y- So many people struggle with self-esteem. So many people struggle with how they see themselves. And they see themselves as not valuable because they're not successful or they're not good at something or they've failed or whatever. And, uh, you know, look at yourself. When things are going well in your life, you feel good about yourself. When you're unemployed or things aren't going well, you can beat yourself up pretty radically. And that's the world in which we live. We actually measure ourselves and define ourselves by what we do. Um, and how we are. And actually, that's a lie. I mean, if you have children, I don't. If, if, you've, if you're halfway a good, decent parent, you don't define the love you have for your children by their behavior. You might find that they're a bit of a pain at times. But you don't go, I don't love you today because you're being a jerk. In fact, because you love them, you might actually find yourself weeping over the fact that they're Misbehaving, or they're destroying something. And if your child comes to you and, and, and says, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel loved, I don't feel good, you don't say, oh, I agree with you, you are pretty worthless. You don't say that. You go, no, you are my son, you are my daughter. You are of enormous value. And there are probably many of us even now here who live a lie of, of worthlessness. And I also want to talk about prayer today by saying, and some of us are trying to compete to make God present. Some of us think we have to do things so that God will be present, and no, we don't. He is present. I'll, I'll provoke you right from the beginning, just so you stay awake. Like, how many of you want to see a move of God? So what if that move of God is crucifixion? What if the move of God is suffering? I'm playing with you. I don't think you should want to see a move of God. I think you just seek God and let him move as he wills. See, I think we've got into this place of a move of God is restricted to look like this. And if you read the scriptures, God never does what we think he should do. And I like what Pete Gregg says. I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in worship. I believe in Jesus. And there's an element of I think it's very easy in our culture to have little segments of what we want to go after God for. And it's like somebody coming to me saying, I want to I want to talk to you so I can get something from you, I want this experience with you. And most of us would say, Why don't you just come to be with me? And let out of that something flow. It's a lot less stressful. Because if I'm coming to God with my decision of what I want from him, and if I don't get it, I'm really disappointed. Whereas if I come to God and just say, thank you for who you are, who knows what might come back. It takes a lot of stress off us. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. All the flocks and the herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. That's what you put under. But of course, this is no longer true. This was what God created in Eden. This was his intent and is his intent for humanity. But humanity lost the plot and wanted to do things in their own way. And so this was God's vision and then it all got fouled up. And in the fouling up, there was a disconnect. And into that disconnect, God sent Jesus to actually bring restoration so this could become true again. See, when he says made a little lower than angels, it's actually not a good translation. It's a little less than God, a little below God. He who should be free is bound, and he who should be a king is a slave. Man is not what he is meant, was meant to be. So, if your house was burning down and you've got, you, can, you have a choice of taking one thing with you, what would it be? And God's answer would be my kids. You. That's why he sent his son. And unless we, you know, th- that's where we begin to find value. In understanding who we are and who we are create, created to be, it's hard. It's easy to t- fall into the trap of I'm not worthy because my situation is struggling. I'm not worthy because of this because I failed. It's it's easy to feel self worth is pretty high when we've su- when we've succeeded in our little pond, but before God, He might say, You have succeeded in your little pond, but you forfeited the world you destroyed a lot of people getting there or you just succeeded and that is cool I don't want to be cynical because there's no reason why we shouldn't be successful in inverted commas but he does say what happens if you gain the whole world but lose your soul nobody deserves, I say this every week nobody deserves what they have you don't deserve to live here you don't deserve to have a pension you don't deserve to have a high salary you don't deserve to be unemployed you don't deserve to be fill in the blank life isn't fair but God is good. Where I get frustrated is bumper sticker theologies. And God didn't just say, you guys have screwed up, I'm going to send my sons, listen to him, and he's going to quote the scriptures to you and come back to me. The thing about this dirty glory is he talks about how God became human and he dwelt among us. You can't worship or pray to a God you don't know. You can't worship or get excited about a God who causes suffering and death. You can't worship a God who to your, in your heart feels schizophrenic. You never know where you stand with him. So sorting out who God is for you is incredibly important. And you can't relax with a God who you never know what he's going to do to you next. And you'd never know if you're saying the right words because if you don't say the right words then the magic prayer won't work. And I believe God with all my heart would say to each of us today, relax. I love you more than you can imagine. And if if I was depending on your performance we wouldn't be friends. So get over yourself. Your little religious self, your born again self, your pagan self, whatever self you happen to bring to me, get over it. I've seen it before and I love you. And where you screw up I actually look behind that and I go, you poor, broken child of mine. Let's get restored. And the part that I'm leading to is God so loved the world that he sent his son into this world to live with us. He was born of a, ch- a mother and they took nine months pregnant just like the rest of us and then she, w- he was born and then he lived in Nazareth. You see, the heart of God is expressed in what he does. He could have jettisoned Jesus down at 30 years old and says, Here I am with a blinding light. Some of us are wanting a move of God so that we'll have a blinding light and everything will be taken care of so we don't have to do anything. Good luck. Because the reality is, and I'm not being cynical, don't understand me, a move of God can be all kinds of things and I want it as much as anybody else. I'm merely saying I don't worship a move of God because I don't know what it is. And every move of God in history has never stayed Because human beings have tended to try and take it and make it, and then it's died. doesn't mean to say they won't come back, they won't be new. All I'm saying is don't worship something other than God and leave him to do stuff. But what God did in his move through Jesus was he lived among them. And as the writer to Hebrews says, he suffered with them. This world is looking for people who know God to live with them to talk with them, listen to them, serve them. And out of that will come a revelation of the Father's love. Most people don't know who God is. And if they do have an idea of God, it's usually negative. And the only way they're going to see a difference of who God is on earth as in heaven is through people. Just like Jesus walked this earth and revealed the nature of God, which was so radically different to what the people thought he was. Who is God? This is what it says. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is Pete Gregg said. God's story from beginning to end describes glory getting dirty and the dirt getting blessed. Isn't that cool? glory getting dirty and the dirt getting blessed. We have to get over this thing that the flesh is evil. Flesh is not evil. Buddhists think that. Flesh is neutral. God created flesh. It's who indwells the flesh that makes it good or evil. Flesh in itself is not evil. Desires are not evil. Your humanity is not evil. It's what actually leads and empowers the flesh that determines who is the God. Where flesh lives with flesh, in other words, it's restricted. I am the, I am the total, totality of existence. What I want and what I do is what matters. And my I am not subject to God. That becomes a whole different thing. That's why I, I sort of went to Auschwitz last week. Because if you play the, the, the sins, what is possible in the flesh, you get to that kind of horrific place. And my point in showing the horrific side of that was to say that doesn't start with let's go and kill everybody. That starts in germ form or embryonic form with attitude that builds and builds and builds, objectifies people, and then desensitizes to the point where I can take your life and it doesn't matter. And we are all capable of that. And so the, the opposite is also true. When God's Spirit begins to dwell in flesh and it grows and grows and grows, we are, we are able and pos- it is possible to have acts of extraordinary goodness and kindness. And that's what Jesus was uh, revealing in the world like never seen before. The Creator made humanity out of dust, and if, if on that day we left a little dirt behind in the creases of his hands, it was surely a sign of things to come. You understand what it means if God became flesh? Peter, Greg, he was talking about you know when God became flesh, he, Jesus the, was the word the God was the Word, and the Word became flesh it was incredibly radical to Greeks who wanted detached spirit, and to the Jews who had a religious spirit. And God became flesh. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. The Word didn't just pretend to become flesh. He wasn't fraternizing with humanity from a morally superior plane. Jesus became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the staggering message of Christ's incarnation. God's glory became dirt so that we, the scum of the earth, might become the very glory of God. We believe that God's eternal word once squealed like a baby and when eventually he learned to speak it was with a regional accent. The creator of the cosmos made tables and presumably he made them badly at first. The Holy One of Israel got dirt in the creases of his hands. So how we see God is, is, is fundamental to how we're going to talk to him. What is prayer? It's conversation. It's not complicated. It's not very spiritual or religious. It's just talking to God and listening. So who he is determines on how the conversation goes. Does he like you? Is he angry with you? Do you have to perform for him? Who's the senior partner in the conversation? So if, if you could discover and I could discover that Jesus, as we've already heard in testimonies, is for us and not against us. That he loves us in season and out. That he's not angry, he doesn't he's not scared of us, and he's not trying to work out some big agenda. He's actually into relationship. So he loves you on your best day and he loves you on your worst day. And every day in between. And he he is absolutely not performance driven. In fact, if you come to him with your performance, he goes, Why are you so insecure? I mean, why do you think I'm going to stand up and applaud you because of what you did today? And what you did, didn't do yet tomorrow, I'm going to kick you into the curb. If you who are evil now are to give good gifts to your children, how much more? So if God is for you and jealous for you, and he's made you a little less than the angels, a little less than he is, and that's one of the keys to huma- humanity. Humanity reflects the nature of God, whether they believe in him or not. In your DNA, you reflect the nature of God. doesn't matter whether you believe in him, because... If God exists, it's not about you anyway. So, you know, you say, I don't believe in God. So, that's fine. There are lots of things you get wrong. You can just be sincerely wrong. But I bet you, when you're sincerely wrong about God, it's because of your your perception of God. That's why I always say, you've heard me say, so tell me about the God you don't believe in. Say adamantly, I don't believe this, this, and that, nor do I. Where do you get your information from? Well, I've never met anybody who's been able to answer the question very well. Because lots of belief systems are rooted in very little. You have to deal with Jesus. Because Jesus in history entered the world at a particular place at a particular time. And declared that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father who is God. So you can't just say, I don't believe it. Well, you can. But if you have a brain in your head, you have to engage that. And after many years I believe many of our brains are rooted in our emotions much more than we care to admit. And so this conversation of prayer is important in terms of is God good? Is he kind? Is he consistent? Is he loving? Is he forgiving? Is he good all the time? Which is an irritating cliche very often because it's got to go deep, deep, deep inside of us. Yes he is. If prayer is talking to somebody like that, what would that be like? Where he just says, how are you? What's going on with you today? What are you worried about? What are you enjoying? And you're able to talk to somebody who adores you. So you know what you take out of the, the conversation, which is actually a relief. You take out of the conversation, you're angry with me, you're punishing me, you don't hear me. You just take that out. You love me, you adore me I'm absolutely the delight of your heart and I'm coming to you with all the crap in my life right now and I'm feeling terrible and that's where I'm starting that you are consistently good and you have my best interests at heart and I'm going to share with you all the stuff I can't see and Cape Town, there's a beach called Musenberg, and it goes, it's a beautiful beach, long white you don't see anything like that it's Vancouver Island you can't even come to Long Beach is a little beach compared to 50 miles of white sand. And in one corner near the mountain um, it's where the the waves come against the coast and and if there's a north wind they curl up and you have a lot of surfers there. It's beautiful. And there's a, a road that goes along the mountain probably a thousand feet up that you can drive and you have this magnificent view of the bay. And I remember as a child we used to walk along that beach and, and, and very often at that time there were, there were men in rowing boats um, from about here to Elf Long and they would row these boats out f- um, from the beach and drop the nets off and then come back in like a horseshoe catching fish. And one of the things they did was they, w- they had a lookout on that mountain and he would look out and you can see because the w- water is quite blue you can see the shadows and so he could see where fish were swimming. They would direct them to where the fish were and then they would go and cast their nets. Today, they now look for sharks that way because sharks are more prevalent. So there's a shark watch up there and they can see the sharks and they do put a warning out for when people should get out of the water if, if there's a shark. In other words, what you're experiencing on the ground is not always clear and you need somebody who's a spotter for you to maybe help you either go in the right place or avoid danger. So what if God's heart is like that? That I come to him with my very limited perspective and I pour out my heart to him. And then the part of prayer that we miss because we think it's deeply spiritual is listening. Like, shut up, shut up. Listen. Well, I might not hear God. You will hear God. Everybody hears God. Again, drop... I mean, if Rosie can hear God through a raisin, Pretty much all of us are home free. And God will speak through anybody and anything. You can listen to anyone speak with an attitude of, they better move me so I can hear something. Or you can listen to anybody speak, going, I'm hungry, God give me something. Even through them. God is speaking to you and to me today. He always starts with, I love you. And very, very often I need to hear that at a very deep part of me. I need to be reminded of it. I have to rest in that. I have to actually abide in that. And I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours talking to God about what's happening in my life and problems in my life. And I don't have to go on and on and on because I think he hears me the first time. How many of you who have got older children now could go back home now and, and take out something that your kid drew when it was a year old. Some scratches on some paper. Look what Johnny did. And you've kept it. How many of you have kept something like that from your children? Put your hands up and look around. Why on earth do you keep rubbish? It's not rubbish. It's my child's first drawing. It's not. It's nothing. I treasure it because it's my child's first drawing. And you probably even said to your child, that is wonderful. Whereas anybody who knows anything about art would say, it's rubbish. But you didn't, if you're half healthy as a child, say, you can't be serious. Why are you bringing daddy this? It's rubbish. Throw it away. What would you do to your child? You'd crush it. Be back here trying, struggling to know God is good because dad screwed up and and, and threw away my drawing when I presented it to him so proudly. Now if that makes sense to you and me who are so limited, why would God crumple up your prayer and throw it away and say it's nothing? What if every prayer you've ever prayed God has in a book and he says, you thought I forgot about that and you thought I didn't treasure that and I've actually believed in it longer than, I've held it in my heart and you don't even remember. What if that's what God's like? I mean, he loves you that much. So what happens if you don't have to perform? What happens if you don't even have to be be good? What happens if all he's saying is if you actually come to me and you just talk to me and I'll talk to you? What happens if things change that way? And I will give you confidence. And I will give you hope. And I will give you strength. And I will give you life. In my presence, which is always. What happens, therefore, if you live out of a place of love and acceptance? That you were the Father's idea. Let me say something else, seeing I'm on a roll. Some of us like talking about the Father. Some of us like talking about the Son. Some of us don't like talking about the Son, Jesus. Some of us like talking about the Spirit. Spirit's very in vogue. Well, they've been hanging out together for eternity. And they don't tend to solo. Just letting you know. The Spirit will always take you to Jesus. And anything that's still unredeemed in your life, Jesus will actually talk to you about. Because he went to the cross for you. And Jesus will always take you to the Father. And lots of people have Father issues. So they prefer Jesus and the Spirit. But I don't want to deal with the Father. Well, the Spirit and the Father, the Spirit and Jesus will always take you to the Father because they know you've got issues. And they say, we're here to make you whole and we tag team. We don't play favorites. We're not threatened. We just talk to Jesus right now. And the Father will refer you back to the Spirit. He says, I've given you a comforter and somebody who's actually going to make all these words real. And they just love each other and they love to be with you. And they get quite ticked off if you only talk to one of them. They don't like that. They don't have self-esteem problems. They just say, don't just seek one of us, seek all of us. Because we say different things at different times. But they're all for you, not against you. Some people like the Spirit, but they don't like Jesus because Jesus was incarnate. And incarnate means you have to live this out in the flesh. Because the Father said, just as I have sent you, Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, he sends you. If you want to see the world changed, ask for a move of God in you so that he can move through you. Get your hands dirty. If you want to see a move of God, serve, volunteer, commit yourself to other people. Seek their welfare. Worship. See what happens. I think we'll see a move of God in all kinds of ways relationship is about prayer and prayer is about relationship maybe we should uh, listen to just let me see yeah let's listen to uh, this is just a five minute video from Pete Gregg where he talks about prayer and I think he is helpful in what he says isn't that cool but if you actually and we enter into God's presence which is always, but when we consciously focus, we start at the place of his acceptance and we start at the place of curiosity, which is what would you say to me today? Without fear? I don't know about you, but I have spent years where every you know, if, if If you were going to have me come up to the front and somebody was going to prophesy, I was terrified because I was going to be exposed and all my sins are going to be made known. That's Old Testament prophecy and it's actually from the pit of hell. Because God the Father will never humiliate you. He will always start with, my much-loved son, my much-loved daughter, I call you by name, do not be afraid. And then, why wouldn't I be saying, after I might have said this is how my life is going, Jesus, what do you want to say? And then he might speak through a raisin. He might speak through. I was going through. Um, some I forgot to tell you that I was going through. I'd gone into this prison hotel and and in in Oxford. I told you last week and. And it was a converted prison and, I, and 3 o'clock in the morning I woke up with this incredible panic and fear and anxiety and it was absolutely crippling. And it took me five minutes to go. I have just slept in a cell that housed men in prison for 200 plus years. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, which is apparently the witching hour where there's most demonic activity. And you can pretty up the prison but you can't take the spirit out until you speak it out in the name of Jesus. It's the same with the life. And I was then went to South Africa in Cape Town, and the next night was the same, but a little less. And the next night was over. But I was in the. I'm just, sh- just giving you a, a very simple illustration of how God speaks. And I was kind of. I'm not normally anxious. And I came up an escalator of a, uh, a uh, shot in a shopping mall, and uh, now I can't remember what it was. It was something like this. There was a billboard on a, on the side of a clothing store. Um, Oh, And and a guy was just pointing and saying, don't crack up under pressure. And it was just like a word of God to me because I felt attacked and it was just, thank you, Lord. You never know what's going to speak, but if you're listening, you'll hear or you'll see. And it's always a word of encouragement or a word of guidance or a word of comfort or a word of patience. And I don't have to plead and plead and plead with God. I can place something in His hands and then say, Now I'm just going to trust the timing. And most of life is like that. I trust you. I don't have to pray frantically, I can rest in His faithfulness. God's come to give us peace. In the Hebrews, and I'm finishing with this, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. And this is important. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels or a little less than God for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. But we do see Jesus. And so on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus, I have a hope for everything that would threaten to overwhelm me. Because all of our lives in different seasons, it feels sometimes like God is not present or he doesn't care. We do not see everything subject to him right now, but we do see Jesus. And so walking in faith is about how do I walk when I can't see what's happening around me. So I rest on the rock that is Jesus' love for me. And I say, no matter what happens, though the vine does not bear fruit, I will worship you. Encourage us to be encouraged uh, with the revelation of God. Really spend some time saying, "Who is He for you? Do you really know?" And I think this is this is a you know one of the things that Tish does well, and 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 others like Lynn and uh, Charlotte and others is you know you chase after something. Now you're not chasing after an experience. You're just saying, "I'm hungry for more of what God has for me." And, and just live from that place of there's always more. There's always more. He, by his death he breaks the power of death. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What happens if God says today that Jesus has died, lived, died, and been risen and resurrected so that you and I would be free and then you can fill in the blank who for all our lives we were held in slavery to whatever that might be so my prayer is Lord I want to know that freedom I want to know what it's like to be living in hope and in power so don't seek after a move of God don't seek after the gifts of the spirit don't seek after the things seek after him and all these things will be given to you in full measure I was reading about Solomon David's David's son right and God asked him what do you want and he said I want wisdom to be able to rule your people with wisdom and justice and God said bless you and he said I'm going to give you all the things you didn't ask for I'll give you wealth and I'll give you stature and I'll give you authority. God will give us all he we need. He said this as I, as I was finishing this. He says, "You know, I carry the dirt in my hands so that you can carry the gold in yours." There's nothing that God cannot do for us. Let's stand. Let's ask him to raise up our conversations with him so that they actually sustain us and they just accomplish. Father, we bless you that you are good. Just focus on your image of God right now. Who is he for you? Is he a slot machine? Do you just talk to him about what you want? Or is he revealed to you in Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life? Have you actually said to him, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life on my good days, my bad days. Lord on my decisions when they're good and when they're bad, when they're not so helpful. I trust you with the incompleteness of my life. I trust you with the imperfections of my life. I trust you with my circumstances. Lord, I just trust you. But I want to trust you more. I thank you, you're a spotter and you look out over my life and the big picture of my life and you see where the sharks are and you see where the fish are and you will guide me in the paths of righteousness. Help me to keep my eyes upon you like a sheepdog looks at the shepherd. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters for revelation of the goodness of God in Jesus, the love of the Father revealed through Jesus. The power of the Spirit released on earth as in heaven. And I pray for renewed conversations with you, Jesus. Conversations that are full of delight, full of hope, full of comfort and peace and power. I command all anxiety to be gone, all our sense of unworthiness to be gone, but that we would live from a place of being loved and adored by a good God revealed in Jesus in history. Give God permission to go into your heart and explode it with his love. Give him permission to go beyond your mind. Your mind is incredibly limited. It's polluted by your past and prejudices and experiences thus far. Give him permission to touch your heart. We call our spirits to life in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you will communicate with us spirit to spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Make the word flesh in us, we pray. Speak less of what you think and more about what he's doing. And offer yourself as a servant. Jesus, how can I serve open my eyes to see where you would have me walk alongside a brother or sister that they would know love in the flesh in healthy ways so that they could see the Father through me. God is really into incarnation. Incarnation means his love revealed through human beings to one another. Thank you, Lord. As Pete Greg said, if you want to have great conversations with Jesus, Say thank you, lots. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you is like receiving. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for life. Thank you for friends. Thank you for family. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that if you didn't turn up today for me and what I wanted, you'll turn up tomorrow. Thank you that you are faithful. All things work together for those who love God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. If I don't see a prayer answered today, I can be confident there's a timing issue, but you will answer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I can have extraordinary peace in the midst of turmoil. Thank you that I don't have to be in control, because I know the one who is in control. Thank you that my happiness is not determined by my circumstances, but is determined by the love of the Father for me today. Thank you for the hope that rises up in me because of him. So Father, we pray for one another. Let's put, your, put your hands on the people next to you, just put on their shoulders, and just play, speak blessing. And particularly that, that conversations with God, with Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, speak blessing, that we will have new experiences of God's presence, of God's voice, of hearing God. Thank you, Jesus. That all pressure is lifted off us. And we can just... Rest in the goodness of the Father as we open ourselves to him. Thank you, Father. I pray for anointed prayers, anointed times of conversation with you, Jesus, this week that will bring refreshing and surprises into our lives. And we even pray that we can be the answer to people's prayers by the way we engage with them. So let your kingdom come and your will be done on us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen.